Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and thank you for joining me again today for this message. I want to bring you what the Lord has put on my heart on this day, which is New Year's Eve 2023 at the time of this recording, and I have good news to bring you. Good news for 2024, good news for every year. And as I've been praying about what to do, what to say as the new year's rolling in, this is what the Lord laid on my heart, I believe. The new year is on the way. Today at this recording, it is New Year's Eve, the day when one year ends and at midnight, the new year kicks in. The world is in a very scary place right now. There is, there's much that could alert us on every side, at home and abroad. There's all kinds of economic troubles. There's all kinds of cultural troubles. There's all kinds of issues that are going on at home and abroad. Wars, rumors of wars, all kinds of various earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, every kind of thing you can think of that's going on. And so it may be a very scary time for us right now, and it is, and it is. But I bring you good news. I bring you the greatest of news. Now, in this season, we've just completed celebrating Christmas. And if you recall, in the Christmas celebration given to us in the scriptures about the birth of Jesus, which is what Christmas is all about, it may not have happened in December, it may not be the right title, if you will, for it. But what we are doing is commemorating the fact that Jesus Christ came, the Son of the living God, born as a baby in Bethlehem. And at that time, there were a group of visitors that came. These visitors actually came from heaven, and they brought good news. They brought good news. They declared that they were bringing good news. They declared to their audience that they had good news to share. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 11, it says this, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, good tidings, good news of great joy, which will be to all people. For, and here it is, this is the good news. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And then this angel continues the message to the shepherds, and then he is joined, this angel is joined by a host of other angels from heaven, and they are all declaring praises unto God. But the message of the angels is still true today. The Savior of the world was born, Christ the Lord. He has come. The good news is the gospel, the good news for all the world, for all time. And this includes 2023, 2024, and any future years beyond. Praise be to God. This is the same good news that I bring you, but I ask you to hear it 
and to respond accordingly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'd like to read verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So Paul tells us here, this is the core of the good news. This is the core of the good news. This is the core and the crux of the gospel. This message is very simple, found here in verse 3 and 4. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, died for or for the sake of, or because of, our sins. In place of us dying, he died. Instead of us dying, he died. Because we have a major sin problem that we could not atone for. That we could not atone for. And he knew that. And so the only one who could atone for our sins, who could die because of our sins, was the Son of the living God, the sinless one. And so in place of us dying, he came and he died, according to the scriptures, taking all of our sins upon him, which is what both Isaiah 53 and Psalm talk about. In Isaiah 53, let's read that. I want to read verses 5 through 12 of Isaiah 53. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So the scripture from Isaiah had already proclaimed that he had to do this. There was coming a suffering servant that had to fulfill this, and that suffering servant was Jesus Christ, who fulfilled it on the cross when he died for our sins according to the scriptures. Read Psalm 22. 
David prophetically spoke of crucifixion a thousand years before it ever even came into existence and was used by the Romans. Jesus died according to the scriptures for our sins, paying the debt that our ransom required. God demanded that shedding of blood was required for the forgiveness of sins. And there was a price tag on us. We had a bounty on our head that somebody had to pay. There's a ransom that somebody had to pay. And someone did in our place if we will receive his precious blood, his atonement on our behalf. In Psalm 49, verse 7 and 8, it tells us the ransom. It talks about it here. None of them, talking about other people, great people, rich people, etc., None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls, meaning the souls of people, the souls of us, is costly. And it shall cease forever that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. So in other words, it talks about the payment that would be required for the ransom. And then the person that could pay that, the son of the living God, would pay that. And he would not be held into the grave, but he would rise again. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and chapter 6, verse 23, it talks about how every single person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages for that sin is death, meaning eternal separation from God. There had to be death. There had to be the shedding of blood. But he also tells us in Romans 6, 23, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So instead of us having to die, one died in our place. And if we believe in him, then we can live and not have to die through the eternal separation from God. We don't have to pay those wages of sin. Through the payment of his blood as the sacrifice lamb, Just like with the Passover lamb in Exodus chapter 12, the blood was what mattered. The blood of the Lamb of God applied to the doorpost of each individual. He's the one that takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29 tells us. He died according to the scriptures. He was buried also according to the scriptures. He fulfilled the unleavened bread on the feast of unleavened bread. He was the picture actually also in the Passover Seder, found in the Afikoman, which was hidden away to be returned later, to come back later. And we know the grave could not hold him. Peter verifies this for us in Acts chapter 2. The grave could not hold him. Why? Because he was the sinless one. He was the unleavened one. He was not subject to the wages of sin and the power of the grave. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 9 through 11, it talks about how God will not allow his soul to see corruption. He would not leave him in the pit, but he would rise again. And then Paul tells us in this good news is the fact that Jesus did rise from the grave on the third day according to the scriptures. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 28, it says this. Peter is speaking here and he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you 
by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. So Peter here is quoting from David in Psalm 16, and he is explaining how Jesus was raised from the dead and why. Then, according to the scriptures, we know that he had to be raised, and he had to be raised on the third day. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 2, Hosea prophesied of this. He says, After two days he will revive us, and on the third day he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. So on that third day, Messiah had to raise again. Also, we know in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, we learn about the Feast of Israel, the Feast of the Lord. And the third feast day was the Feast of First Fruits, which Jesus fulfilled. And Paul attests to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where we were earlier. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 20, it says this, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, those who are Christ's at his coming. So Jesus is the first fruit from the dead. The best news, truly the good and greatest news for all times, for all years, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus died because of our sins, because of your sin, because of mine, taking the payment and the shame of our sins upon himself, taking upon himself all that we bore, and we would have borne on our own, but could never have paid for. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away, and Jesus came, and he has done that when you believe in him. He endured God's wrath and punishment, the death sentence that was meant for us, for our sins. He took it upon himself instead of us, just like was pictured for us in Genesis chapter 22 when God preached the gospel to Abraham and showed him the substitute ram, the one who would die in the place of Isaac. And Jesus was buried according to the scriptures, and he was raised to life on the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus declared at the cross, it is finished. The work has now been done. Redemption and forgiveness of sins is now available for all who will believe, for all who will receive this gift. John 3.16, probably the most beloved and well-known verse in the entire Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Even though that verse is well known and well quoted, it's still true today. And this is the best news for any year that anyone can bring you. In Ephesians 1, 7, Paul confirms that we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus and what he has done for us. So as the new year rolls around, who knows what might come? I don't know. We are living in the end of days, in the last days, and we're living in perilous and difficult days. But God gives us good news and makes it available to us. We can be saved. What does that really mean? Well, I can't promise you bliss in 2024 or in any other year. I can't promise you that all your circumstances will turn all around and now you'll be miraculously healed and have lots of money or have, you know, all kinds of earthly blessings. I can't promise those things. But I can tell you this. If you will receive the gift of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus that he has paid on behalf of your sin, Jesus will make you new. He will set you free from the bondage of sin. He will deliver you. He will save you and wash your sins away. He will make you clean. He will make you his own. He will give you peace. Peace with yourself, but most importantly, peace with God. I invite you today, accept his invitation. It's like a gift. He's given the gift available to everyone in the world but you must receive it to enjoy the benefit of it. So I invite you today, please accept his invitation. Receive him. If you've never received the Lord Jesus before, I beg you to call out to him right now. You don't have to say some canned prayer. You just call out to him from your heart and mean it. And you ask him to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you. You repent of those sins and you ask him and invite him in. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Receive him and you will enjoy new life and newness of life in the coming year. Whatever your circumstances may be, whatever may come or may not come, you will be able to enjoy new life and newness of life in the coming year and enjoy peace with God. Peace and joy like you've never known before in whatever circumstance may come. I invite you today because this is the best news of all for all people and for all time. I pray that you will accept it today. And if you know Jesus already, I pray that you will grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in the coming year in leaps and bounds. Even if you accept him right now, that you begin to grow in him, that you will devote yourself to prayer and the study of the word of God, to the reading of God's word, that you will love him and that you will grow in him, that you will bond together with other believers that can encourage you and help you grow in the faith. And that is my prayer for you, beloved friend, all of you, in 2024 and beyond, whatever God may bring us and bring us to and through. In Jesus' name, I pray God will bless you today. Amen. <music>